This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, May 27th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The FDA's failings of the last two years are well documented, but the agency still stands in the way of you, me, and generations to come learning how to stop or reverse aging. Empowering Americans to take control of their own lifespans is among the most valuable freedoms. Arthur Diamond is a professor of economics at the University of Nebraska-Omaha. We spoke last month in Las Vegas. Is aging a disease? If it takes calling aging a disease to have the FDA approve drugs that reduce it, then I say we call uh, aging a disease. Uh, there was one agency has actually moved in that direction, not the FDA, but maybe it'll be a good precedent. It turns out that for the first time in their history, the World Health Organization in 2018 in their Dictionary of Diseases has included aging. And so maybe the FDA will follow the a good example of the, of the World Health Organization. I hope so. It's at least promising that something that we might otherwise simply accept can be viewed as something you can overcome. And, you know, death is one of those things. That, that's a crucial issue. Uh, there's a, one of the experts, one of the gurus, if you will, about aging. There's a guy named Aubrey de Grey. And he believes that uh, there's various reasons why we're not making as much progress as we could. And he thinks one of them is something he calls the pro aging trance. And the pro-aging trance is, as you say, it's, it's the idea that people accept the inevitability. And if you accept it's inevitable, then you stop trying to fight the inevitable because then you're just beating yourself up for no good purpose. Um, I remember decades ago reading about an experiment with dogs where they put dogs in a box and the dog doesn't want to be in the box. So the dog tries to jump out and they shock this poor dog. And eventually, um, the dog stopped trying to get out. They took away the shock, but then the dog was there. They'd accepted the box as inevitable. Well, we are in effect in a box where we're accepting it as, as inevitable that we age. And Aubrey de Grey, and I'm also saying this, and a lot of some other people are saying, it's not inevitable, so let's jump out of the box and get it done. So what, as a regulatory matter, we mentioned the FDA and uh, how they don't appear to recognize aging as an illness, and that would certainly uh, implicate drugs they might approve or not approve. So that's one uh, issue with the FDA. There's other issues that are broader uh, as well. They require, for instance, these three phases of uh, randomized clinical testing, and especially phase three is extremely expensive, costing often millions and millions of dollars and having thousands or tens of thousands of people enrolled and often often going on for many years or, or even uh, longer than, than many years. And uh, the argument that Milton Friedman used to make, Milton Friedman would adapt his position depending on his audience a little bit for what he thought he could sell. With libertarians, he would say, let's push the button and do away with the FDA. For others, he said, at least let's do away with phase three. So the FDA would only test for safety through phase two, but then let, let people choose. Once these drugs have been shown safe, let people choose whether to take something, whether it's efficacious or not. If you at least did that, at least did went that far, then you'd have lower costs for, for, for trying out new drugs. And that means there would be new, more drugs tried out. You'd have, you, because more People and firms and startups could afford to be going through the phase two part. And the more things you're trying, the more 
are going to succeed eventually. And so, and also the kind of organizations that you're going to allow. It turns out that most of the really breakthroughs in, in medicine, but in other areas too, are accomplished by smaller firms, not for the, from the really big firms. If you require the phase three that requires so many millions of dollars, nature of the firm changes because you're bringing in a whole bunch of people for finance, a whole bunch of people for uh, advertising. The corporate culture no longer is dominated by the people who are the breakthrough innovators. And so there's all kinds of ways in which if you could really reduce the cost by reducing, I argue, the phase three at least, um, we get things moving a lot faster, I think. Uh, Charles Murray years ago uh, in his slim volume, What It Means to Be a Libertarian, uh, basically said, hey, how about just uh, allowing anybody to use whatever drug they want? Uh, and if you want to bring your drug to market, all you need to do is put a little label on it that says the FDA had nothing to do with this. Uh, I agree with that. And uh, you know, people think about, they'll, they'll say, well, what about thalidomide? But one of uh, uh, the professors at Chicago when I was a student was a guy named Sam Peltzman, and he did a, a wonderful study where he looked at uh, the costs and benefits of, of FDA regulation. The benefits would be presumably that you're keeping potential thalidomides off the market, but the costs are you're also slowing down good drugs that would reach the market. And he was able to calculate and weigh those against each other, and, and it turned out that the costs were substantially higher. You were doing much more harm to people by slowing down effective drugs than you were by stopping potential thalidomide. I think broadly, though, the public likes the fact that there's an adult somewhere who's standing in the way of bad things, like just in general. If, if people want an adult, they, we have private organizations in other areas. Uh, you, you have underwriter labs. Uh, you have the consumer reports. Uh, you have your physician. If you, want, if you feel like you want to turn over all of your medical decisions, turn them over to a doctor you trust. But let other people, if they feel more comfortable with making a broader range of decisions on their own or with their physician, let them do that. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I, I'm not saying that uh, people shouldn't be cautious if they want to be. I think the Amish have a right to be very cautious about adopting new technologies. But at the same time, I think they ought to be tolerant if I want to be venturesome. There's a guy named Amar Bidet, whose uh, work I like a lot. And he argues that we emphasize innovative entrepreneurs when we think about the sources of new innovations. But, but one, one group of people we don't emphasize as much who deserve some credit are venturesome consumers the people who are willing to take risks about new products and drugs. And then if it works for them, some of us who are less venturesome can jump on board. And a lot of those are super rich people. <laughs> they, they are. Uh, we have uh, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs who are investing lots of money in the effort to extend uh, age, uh, anti-aging and, and extend, extend life. Uh, recently, it was announced that there's a new company called Altos uh, that has $3 billion of funding, a good chunk of it from Jeff Bezos. The entrepreneurs behind uh, Google, uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, they've invested in a different startup that's also trying to uh, fund new approaches to anti-aging, to longevity. So uh, one thing we don't want to do in terms of policy, it's not just the FDA, we want to adopt policies that allow people to keep enough of their wealth so that when they have these ideas, they're able to pursue them and, and help invest in the research to bring us 
advances like longer lives. So uh, what would you recommend as the carve out here? Because the FDA will continue being the FDA uh, for the foreseeable future. I don't see that agency going anywhere. But in terms of being able to say, look, I'm willing to take this risk and the right of self-medication is one that is deeply rooted in the American experience. And, you know, asserting that right is important. I agree with that. And, and I don't know, sometimes I, I don't feel like I'm a good judge of what's politically feasible. Um, during the, the period when AIDS was starting, there was a an active group called ACT UP. And uh, ACT UP protested the FDA very strongly. And they succeeded in getting, it was a young Tony Fauci at the time, but they succeeded in getting the FDA to loosen up on the development of drugs for HIV. Um, there are, I don't know how many or how strongly they feel it, but there's people out there who are not happy with the FDA and the CDC's actions during the recent COVID uh, crisis. So I, I wonder if it would be possible in Congress, if there could be enough support among the general population then reflected in action in Congress to say, let's have the FDA ease up. Uh, I think it could be possible. Maybe it's, it's at least worth trying. Arthur Diamond is a professor of economics at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.